very careful when we start comparing success and understand there are also some privileges based on your personal experience or that, again, what's your gap to where you came from and where you are? So we have to be very careful to color in the gaps of statistics with our own stories of personal Mm, success. So as black people, we have to be so careful to not let the world write our story because they say black women are out earning black men. Okay. Statistically that might be true, but how many of those black women are collectively in households where the income is together. So as a black woman, if I won that black man won too, because we're both going to invest this money. We're continuing our conversation with Melissa. And as you heard in the last segment, I dropped a question to her. You know, we asked her what she feels is the one one of the biggest challenges facing Black men and women in her field of work. And she said self-marginalization, excluding ourselves from opportunities and not fully supported, not being fully supported to speak up once entering new levels of diverse roles and opportunities. And so we're going to talk about self-marginalization. And as part of that, we're going to begin with that question that I dropped in the last uh, segment. So our success is here now for Black women. So do we need to feel guilty? How do we need to be sensitive to the Black man whose breakthrough point might come a little bit later and whose success might actually look a whole lot different than ours? Mm -mm. No, we don't need to feel guilty at all by any measure about anything. As you stated so eloquently before, you know, there's a process our ancestors have already gone through. There's been generations of progress. Yes. And so my success is on the back of progress made before me. Yes. I've earned the right. We've earned the right. Have I felt that guilt before? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have. And I won't say it was in comparison to did I reach success before the black man in my life or whatever. Yeah. I think it was, it, it goes back to a lot of the conditioning and how we're raised as, as women. Um, well, if I made it, but my girlfriends didn't make it. Yeah. Like a survivor's remorse almost. Yeah. Uh, but also I had to come to a level of acceptance wait before I make that point let me state this I think it's also important to look at the role of our spirituality and our our religious beliefs and things like that in terms of success failure lack scarcity things of that nature that sometimes depending on what you believe for me I'm of the Christian faith and you have to be very careful uh, to not insert false humility yeah because I also understand I'm much more good to my family my community, my church, when I am successful and I thrive as a, as a tither, as, as a sower, as one who gives freely. And I have a plan for giving. I love how you were stating earlier uh, in the last segment about forecasting. And I wrote down that word forecast. The problem is when you, you've been forecasting failure so much and you're so used to failure that you can't just accept that success happened So we have to be very careful not to self-sabotage when it is your time. Absolutely. That uh, the lessons you learned during the struggle earned you the right to the success you did. It's not like you didn't work for it. Right. And for some, 
like we're in an era where black men and black women, we're creating trust fund babies. We're like, literally we're, we're like you said, you're, you're taking a time working with accountants, with lawyers to protect um, assets. And it's not, that's nothing new to black people. A part of the diaspora experiences, there are those who were of means. There were black people who had and had land and property and money and wealth passed down to them. That story is not often told that yes, although we were oppressed, there were those who still were able to thrive. Um, I, I think of some of my own ancestors that although of, you know, very humble means they wouldn't look opulent, but they understood the power of saving and investing and setting up a trust and set like, that's powerful to me that our people even knew how to do that so that we don't have to struggle. So no, no guilt, black woman. And it will look at our children and say, well, is it enough? I feel guilty if I spend something on myself or if I do this or if I do that. And to try to compare that against the backdrop of the black male experience. One, I'm not a black man and I can't speak to his rate of success. Although statistics will try to inform us of of different things. I think what's really important is how can I compare my success, uh, my success to his? What is his definition of success? Yeah. My definition for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first challenge I have. Cause I just, we spent all this time, you know, discussing what's your history, what's your story. So you have to understand his history and the margin of the gap from where he was to where he is now to understand he might be at a very successful place compared to where he came from. Right. And the odds that were against him. Yes. So I think is we have to be very careful to when we look at statistics shared in mainstream media and how we put those statistics as a foundational point for the conversations we have and so, that and and not overgeneralizing that statistic that that's every black man or every black woman. Absolutely. But you have to take a full view of like I said okay black man tell me where you came from mm. to get where you are. So now I can, I can celebrate the margin of success that the, the separation between the prison or uh, the pitfalls, the yeah. struggle where, however you grew up, the fact that you even made it here or past 21 or at the place you are, let's celebrate that success. So I think we have to clearly understand the margins. I also understand that for Black people, another part of the Black experience is the privilege of education. Yes, I was raised by three generations of Black women, but I also understand I am privileged to a pedigree of education. My mother was able to set a foundation that I didn't have to work as hard to have some of these wins. So I would be remiss to say, to compare me maybe to another black woman and say, well, okay, you both have this many degrees. You both have this, this level of education. Well, her experience may have been very different from mine. Yeah. She may not have had a mother with access to educational degrees or a certain field or whatever. So I'm very aware that we have to be very careful when we start comparing success and understand there are also some privileges based on your personal experience or that, again, what what's your gap to where you came from and where you are? So we have to be very careful to color in the gaps of statistics with our own stories of personal mm, success. So love. as black people, we have to be so careful to not let the world write our story because they say black women are out earning um, black men. Okay, statistically that might be true, but how many of those black women are 
um, collectively in households where the income is together. So as a black woman, if I won, that black man won too, because we're both going to invest this money. We have to be very careful when we look at statistics that talk about the black experience of black women are becoming entrepreneurs uh, at a rate three and four times accelerating over really any population. Well, then how many of those black women are really business partners with black men? But in order to get a majority share of funding for a, one, a minority owned business, then as a black woman, I'm listed as majority uh -huh. owner. So you have to be, you don't know the whole story. Yes. So yes. statistics are only a drop of a pen at a moment in time with a number, but it's not, like you said, you talked about that graph and that breaking point. Well, that line, there's a story in that line from one dash to the next, from one point and one statistic, yes. statistic to the next. There are stories in there. So until we color in those lines and, and with our stories and with our own tapestry, it's only a statistic. Fill the gap with your story. Yes. So it's very, it is, I take it personal because I'm a black woman mm. who has had to override, if you will, hearing mm -hmm. the statistics, being at the time of this interview, you know, being a black woman of a certain age and maturity for me. I could say I'm a statistic being a black woman who's highly educated and entrepreneur, unmarried with no children. People will say, well, well, black women can succeed at all of this, but they don't have this stuff. But that doesn't mean that I don't have love in my life or success in yeah. relationship because yeah. I don't fit the statistic. So you see how both things can be true. You have that statistic, but that does not mean that I still don't experience success. Mm -hmm. So again, be very careful. Be very careful with the statistics in the world against the tapestry of our story. It is our responsibility to give the world context to that to those numbers by telling the story. Very good. So let's talk about self-marginalization. Yeah. Oh boy. How yeah. does how does that happen? How how are we as a people engaging in self-marginalization? We engage in self-marginalization every time we get the promotion and we're at the table, but we don't wield all the benefits that come with it mm. when we play it safe, mm. we marginalize. Give us an example. When we don't advocate, mm. when we don't reach back and sponsor mm. another, we marginalize, we marginalize our influence. Mm. It's not merely enough to speak up when you're in the room, because I believe many of us are. I believe there's a great population of Black people who speak up in boardrooms. I witness it every day. Yeah. Is it always well-received? No. So we have to understand that it doesn't stop there. Activating your voice is the first step, but advocating for your voice is the next step to see it through. Mm. I can tell you what we need in a corporation. I can tell you the diversity efforts that are necessary. I can tell you the culture change, but until I advocate and I hold you accountable, my job is not done. So it's highly important in my work when I work with marginalized populations of executives. I dig deeper to understand, hey, what's your, what's the real mission behind being in these spaces for you? How do we give that language how do we find a language for you to accomplish that mission with allies 
And how do you look past your adversary to see a bigger picture? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it comes down to how do you see yourself? Right. Yeah. Again, all, all, everything we've talked about has been building blocks. Many people will get to the place of success, but you haven't done the self-work. I see people have successful careers, but not a successful life. And yes. we just talked about how we define a successful life. If yes. I can't tell my story and stand in my truth, then what's all the other stuff for? Absolutely. Absolutely. So self-marginalization mm-hmm. really then is it's not knowing true purpose. It's not being able to activate voice on purpose. It's uh, it's really then if you don't know your story, you can't tell the story of others. Mm-hmm. So then it silences the stories of others. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yourself. And yourself. Because you've now silenced. I'll give you an ex- I'll give you a very tangible example. I'll use myself. Right. I remember the first promotion I had at a corporate level nationally at a company. All right. Being the only person of color in the room, period. I was very young at the time. I was probably in my late 20s at the time. And I remember them asking my opinion of something, but in the midst of stating, and not even just my opinion. I mean, I've substantiated it with facts. I was in a marketing role at the time and they wanted to know the demographics and numbers. And I stated it very clearly based on numbers and based on my outcome, my projections. And in the midst of stating it, Someone else in the room didn't agree and they interrupted me. Mm -hmm. I could have shrank back in that moment and let him have it. Or I could advocate for, remember I said, I I activated my voice by speaking up. But the next step was advocating and accountability. So there's three steps to this whole thing with self-marginalization and breaking it. Yes. I advocated because I I could back up what I had with facts. It's like, wait, no, no, no. Here's why I said what I said. Yes. Here's what's going to happen if you don't do what I said. So now I'm holding you accountable to why we need it. Right, right. That's how you break self-marginalization. Because it wasn't just enough for me to speak up. They asked me to. I was prepared for. So that's the thing. Come prepared to speak. I was prepared to speak because I already knew what I wanted to accomplish in the room. I had a mission. I had a goal. But I also understood, now I'm going to advocate for it because I've done the work. What I say, I earned the right. I've done the work. Here's my work. Oh, is that not enough? Okay. And then another part of that is allies. I'd already shared it with people in the room to say, well, wait, here's why we're on the side of what she's sharing. You can apply that formula to any situation. Mm-hmm. Activate, meaning let me speak up. Let me come prepared to speak yes. because you've been doing the work privately, speaking up, yes, knowing your story knowing your role in a company and what you want your contribution to be at that time, at that place, right? Yes. I knew very clearly what I wanted my contribution to be because I knew my level of knowledge of what I was able to bring. Know your worth and your contribution, but it's not enough to know it if you don't come prepared to speak it. So that was the first step. But again, advocating for it, like, wait, not only this is not coming off as fluff or something I, I thought, here's here's what I have substance here's the substance here's the fruit yes here's the fruit yes good fruit and then accountability that if you don't listen here's what could happen and I've done my job I've done my job at that point that's taking back your power and not being marginalized which is essentially being hedged off in a room 
that said, you belong here, but I don't want to hear you. No, okay, you, this is the risk of not hearing me. And that, 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 I think that's how you get your power back. I love it. I love it. So as you're listening, audience, I want you to think about that. Think about the different domains of your life and the ways in which you self-marginalize and use those three elements that have been identified here. First, you're activating, you're coming prepared to address whatever the question or the issue, concern or situation might be. Mm -hmm. The next thing then is you are advocating Mm -hmm. uh, for a particular direction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the third is you're going to be able to speak to, okay, if we go this direction, here's what accountability. And if we go that direction, here's what's going to happen. So the accountability Mm -hmm. piece is held up. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Drop us an email or a comment about this wisdom and nugget that has been dropped here by Melissa. We'll be back for our final segment. (laughs) 